Section 7 of The Moon Master by Charles Diffin This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 7 The girl listened intently, then stole softly out into the corridor from which she had come. She motioned the men to follow, and pointed there in the dim light to a far room. There were others they saw, a group of young women lying at ease on their pallets were moving slowly about. The need for quiet was apparent, more so when the figure of a man appeared as they watched. Quickly the girl, Marahana, stepped before them and motioned them back to their room. She followed and quickly glanced about. In the farther wall was an opening close to the floor and low, but they managed to work their way through at her silent command. Passage much like the others, lay beyond. It widened and grew higher, until they could stand erect. Back in the circle of light they saw for a moment the man bowing low in respect before Marahana. He carried a basket of light that shone brightly in the room. Replenishing the supply of sulfide, whispered Winslow. A current of air came cool and refreshing from a branching tunnel in the rock. There was no lack of ventilation, as they well knew, throughout all the torturous passages, but this came with a scent of outdoors that set both men a-tingle with hope. Jerry forgot even the dull ache in his arm as he breathed deep of this messenger from the outside. But exploration must wait. They needed to rest, to learn, and to plan. They returned when Marahana called softly from the room. Time had lost all its meaning. They could only guess at the hours that had passed since the hour they left their ship, could only make unanswered surmises as to where was the sun or how much was left of the long lunar day. They must escape. They would escape. But their one stroke for freedom must not be made when darkness and paralyzing cold should force them back into the hands of the enemy tribes. Marahana was with them much of the time, and always they struggled and strove with desperate concentration to grasp at the meanings of the thoughts she tried to convey, and they learned much. Of the passage they believed they had found out to the surface she knew little, but she showed them, with doubt in her face, that there was almost hopeless struggle along that path to the freedom above. Sadly, she touched Jerry's injured arm, and she shook her head in dejection. The arm had had a bad wrench, Jerry found, no fracture, but the muscles and ligaments had been painfully torn. But Jerry set his teeth firm at the thought of a possible escape. Once, peering along the dark passage that led to the room where the others had been seen, the men noticed the deep bows that unfailingly marked the entrance of Marahana. They questioned her and learned that here was royalty among the people of the moon. This, as they considered, the proud poise of her head and her whole attitude of unassuming superiority was not entirely surprising. But they marveled the more at the truth that she finally made plain to them. Marahana, she told them, as plainly as if she were speaking in their own tongue. Marahana was chosen for death. 
and her white face was pitiful and her eyes full of horror as she enacted for them the slow march she must take up the long golden slope and into the horror that waited. A sacrifice to that god, Jerry spoke with dismay. No, no. But the face of the Princess Marahana of the Moon People was unutterably sad, with unspoken thoughts as she touched her breast with one slender finger, then indicated the outer room, and showed there were two there besides herself who were to go. Help us to get out, Jerry begged, and with fierce eagerness he showed them going through the passage to the outside. We will come back, and we will find some way to end all this damnable thing. She gave them to understand that the time that was left, the sun, she showed, was long past the meridian and was on its return. The day was now reaching a close, and then, as the sun set, the great sacrifice would be made, had always been made, to ensure the return of their god. Their watches were useless, for the water had entered their cases. The two men waited what they judged was the length of a day while Jerry tried to believe that his arm was improving. Then, putting a small supply of food in their pockets, they were ready for the attempt. Jerry saw that his gun and knife were ready at his belt, and patted a pocket where his matches were safe in their watertight container. The prospect of escape almost unnerved him, to breathe the clear air, to stand in the radiant light of the sun. He could understand now how these people made a god of the sun. He turned to Marahana. Goodbye, he said, but not for long. We'll be back, and we'll save you. Marahana will save you. Winslow will figure some way to do it. We'll be back. The girl was silent. She touched Jerry's arm and shook her head slowly, doubtfully. He reached for the hand. It trembled. He felt in his. The impulse to take the slim form within his arms, to hold her close, was strong upon him. Would he ever see her again? Would he? Won't you say goodbye, Marahana? he asked. But she smiled instead, a friendly smile and encouraging, then dropped in silence to her knees to press with both her trembling hands his hand upon her forehead, and still in silence she rose to vanish from the room. The men entered the narrow opening to start forward into the dark. But Jerry Foster was puzzled, puzzled, and more than a trifle hurt. Marahana could at least have said goodbye. She knew the word, for he had taught it to her, and she had let him, them, go. Oh, well, he thought, how can I know how a princess feels, a princess of the moon? And why should I care? Why should she? But he refused to complete the thought. He hurried instead, as best he could, to follow Winslow fumbling ahead of him in the dark. Jerry had used plenty of muttered invective with the massage he had given his arm, but he cursed his handicap wholeheartedly at the end of some several hours. They were standing, he and Winslow, in a dark tunnel. They had climbed and clawed their way through the absolute dark, over broken fragments, through narrow apertures, down and up and up again, through a tortuous winding course and now they had reached the end. They had found the source of the fresh air, 
had come within reaching distance, it seemed, of sunlight and all that their freedom might mean. And they had come, too, to a precipitous rock wall. They stared long and hopelessly at the shaft that reached vertical and sheer high, high over their heads. And a curse like that of Tantalus was theirs, for, far at the top, slanting in through some off-shooting passage, there was sunlight. It was unmistakable in its clear glare, beautiful, glorious, and unattainable. There were roughnesses in the wall, footholds, handholds here and there. It might be, it might be. Jerry tried to believe, but the ache in his arm made the thought hopeless and incomplete. He turned to his companion. I believe you can do it, he said steadily. Winslow's dark eyes were gleaming in the dimness that surrounded. Possibly, he replied, and eyed the ascent with an appraising stare. Even probably. But you know damn well, Foster, that I'm not going to try. Don't be an ass. Jerry's tone was harsh, but the tall man must have known what emotions lay underneath. We'll play it out together, he said. Jerry was silent as he reached into the darkness for Winslow's hand. Of course I knew you were that sort, he said. He waited a moment, then added, But you're going, old man, you're going. Don't you see it's our only hope? Winslow shook his head emphatically. Jerry could see him in the dim reflection from that radiance above. Nothing doing, the calm voice assured him. Don't bother to think up more reasons why I should desert. Listen, Jerry gripped roughly at the other's shoulders. Listen to reason. If you go and I go back there, what will happen? With Marahana gone, we are helpless, and we will be helpless to save her. The long night is ahead. How can we live? Where can we live? We will be wiped out, as sure as we're alive this minute. If you go, and if you make it to the ship, there's a chance. Alone, I may manage to stick it out. He knew he was lying, knew that the other knew it too, but he went on determinedly. You can wait for me above. My arm will be well. Winslow stopped him with a gesture. There's a chance, the old man was muttering, there's a chance. He swung quickly toward Foster to grab hard at the good right hand. I'm going, he stated. I'm on my way. I won't say goodbye. What's the use? I'll be back soon. He released his hold on Jerry to leap high in the air for a ledge of projecting rock. He caught it and hung. His foot found a toehold, and he drew himself up to where another rough outcrop gave grip for his hand. Jerry Foster stood frozen to throbbing stillness. Words were strangling in his throat, an impulse almost irresistible to call. If there were only a rope. He was still silent when the tiny figure of his companion and friend was lost in the heights, where it vanished into that tunnel from which came the light. He turned blindly to stumble back into the dark. Marahana was waiting when he regained the safety of her room. Safety? The thought was bitter when linked with the certain fate that lay ahead. Silently, she stroked the bent head of a man who dropped dejectedly upon the hard stone floor. Her fingers were gentle, comforting, despite the utter hopelessness and discouragement that lay heavily upon him. 
They sat thus, nor counted the flying minutes while the fog of despair in the mind of the beaten man was clearing. He raised his head finally to meet the look in the dark eyes, and he managed to smile, as one can who has thought his way to the bitter end and has faced it. He patted the hand that stroked his bowed head. It's all right, he said gently. What is to be will be, and we can't change it. And it's all right somehow. His sleeping during their long stay had been a cause for amusement to Marahana, whose habits were tuned to the long days and nights on the moon. And he was sleepy now, sleepy and tired. She spread the robe over him as he rested on the soft fiber bed. He awoke from a deep sleep with a light heart, for Jerry Foster, as he faced his own certain death, had seen certain things. It was the end that was one fact he couldn't evade. But he grinned cheerfully, all by himself, in that strange cheerless room, as he thought of what else he had visioned. And it will be just one hell of a fight, he said softly aloud. There will be some of those priests that will know they have been in a war. End of Part 7